the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God. You can be seated. I must tell you that for years I've struggled with two statements in what Joe has just read. And here are those two statements, and perhaps you share the same struggle. Uh, The first statement that he read with which I struggle is this. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. For years I've wondered, if he knows what I need, why do I need to tell him? If he knows what I need before I ask him, why bother him with what I need? It's a question that has run through my mind for years as I have heard this passage. It is the least of the two nagging questions. The other nagging question is in uh, the Lord's Prayer itself. Where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and he says to them, pray like this, and at the end of the prayer, the final request is, and lead us not into temptation. Why would we ever pray to God, who James in chapter 1 says, cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, why would we ever pray to him not to lead us into temptation? If God tempts no one, and if God cannot be tempted by evil, then why would I pray to that God not to lead me into that possibility of temptation. Those two questions have nagged me about this section of scripture. So this morning we're talking about prayer in this series called Deeper and we're talking about how to pray. We'll answer those nagging questions as best we can when we get to them Uh, But in the meantime, we uh, discover in this passage we hear two ways not to pray and then the way how to pray. 
do not be like the hypocrites, Jesus says to them, uh, because they stand on the street corners and can be, uh, think that they can be heard by others, and Jesus says they have their reward. They'll get rewarded. Now, what does that look like? Uh, Jesus gives this answer then. He says, uh, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, what I look for is, is there a commonality between his answer to the hypocrites and his answer to the Gentiles? And we'll discover it. Don't miss it. He says, then, don't pray like them. Don't be like them, the Gentiles, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. All right, so, so how not to pray is out in front so everybody can see. How not to pray is, is a repeated babble, words that you just say because you're used to saying them. That's how not to pray. So how should you pray? One line, jot it down, here it is. Prayer is a child servant talking to his father king. Prayer is a child servant talking to his father king. Prayer is a child servant talking to her father king. In both of Jesus' answers on how not to pray, he refers to the Father. Both of them. He says, go into a secret room and talk to your Father there, and he'll reward you. Uh, Don't be like the Gentiles. Your Father knows what you need. We cannot lose the metaphor of Father and gain the privilege of prayer. Once we do that, we've forgotten what it means or never learned what it means to pray. Pray, Prayer is a child servant talking to her father king. So what does that look like? Uh, I've told you all through this series when I was in grad school, I began to know God for the first time in my life. I I was saved at the age of 15. No one discipled me. No one taught me how to pray. Nobody taught me how to read the Bible. And so in grad school, I began attending a church, and God began to work in me. And I went to church one Sunday, and the preacher prayed, uh, preached on this is how to pray. He gave this four-part that some of you know. I've never forgotten it and use it to this day when I pray. And it goes like this. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer, and I'll give it to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, First part of prayer is adoration. All right, this is going to spell out, many of you know this, the word acts. A-C-T-S. Adoration. Jesus says, when you approach your father, king, how do we know he's king? This simple phrase, your kingdom come. We're talking to a king. We're talking to a king who's also our father. Uh, Notice the pronouns in the first section. Our, we're all praying. We pray for one another, as Beth has done already this morning. 
But then it changes to your name, your kingdom, your will. Uh, We start prayer with his perspective in mind, not ours. This is absolutely critical. Our tendency could easily be to come before the Father, before the King, with what we want. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us to begin with what He wants, with what He desires, with what He wishes. It is His name, His kingdom, His will. What does this phrase, hallowed be your name, mean? Uh, We might could say, holy be your name. Uh, Set apart is the word holy. Uh, If we pray this at the beginning of a prayer and at the beginning of a day, the prayer means this. Lord, uh, I bear your name. Father, I bear your name. And today, by my actions, today, by my attitude, today, by my thoughts, I pray that your name will be revered and holy as I honor you today. To pray for the holiness of the name of God is to pray that as we honor him, uh, our lives only build up his name. Our interactions with people only build up his name. We begin with a focus on him. Your kingdom, your will, as opposed to ours, uh, usually, uh, your kingdom come, uh, your will be done. This is a prayer that... um, Ken Hempfield talks about in his little book on the Lord's Prayer. Hempfield says that uh, he went to Wake Forest University to play football, and his dad uh, dropped him off. And when Hempfield says, when my dad dropped me off to, uh, uh, to go to college, his very last words to me were this, uh, Son, your grandfather was a preacher, or your great-grandfather was a preacher. Your grandfather walked with God. Uh, I have done my best to walk with God before you. You bear the name of men who have walked with God. Wear that name and bear that name well. That's what happens when we pray. We pray, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The question is, if you look at your lives this week, would you say you added to Uh, the value of the name of God in your workplace or took away. Uh, Teachers, would you say your students, if they know you know Christ, go, I want to know Christ like she knows Christ. Uh, I want what she has. Uh, There's something about her that is different. There's something about him that is different. Do you wear, do you bear the name of Christ well? That's what the prayer looks like. We begin with adoration and praise to God. Scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. Remember, prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a child servant talking to her father king. Prayer is a child servant talking to his father king. And so we begin with adoration. We move to confession. That's the C. Uh, Prayer quickly moves, or maybe not so quickly moves, to uh, asking God to forgive us of our sins. Notice this. 
And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others uh, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Uh, Prayer must involve confession. Why? We are sinners. Amen? We sin. Every day we fall short. They're either sins of commission, things we do we shouldn't, or sins of omission, things we don't do we should. Every day. Sometimes they're obvious, aren't they? And we see them, and sometimes they're not so obvious, and we don't see them. And prayer is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to shed light on that. It's interesting that Jesus follows up this uh, command to seek forgiveness with this reality that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. What does that look like? Uh, Luke gives us some insight into that. Luke shares this parable that Jesus told. Jesus told a parable about a man who owed a lot of money. He owed uh, an enormous amount of money. As a matter of fact, it was 10,000 talents. Well, we don't know what a talent is, so let me tell you what that looks like. A talent is 20 years' wages. All right, 20 years' wages. So he owed 10,000 times 20 years' wages. Uh, All right, so Jesus in this parable is obviously uh, using hyperbole. I mean, nobody could afford to pay anything back like that. And so the guy comes to collect his due. Uh, The master does, and the servant says, there's no way I could pay you back. And the master says, well, you'll be cast, uh, you will become, uh, uh, you'll be cast into prison. Your family will be cast into prison until you die. And so what happens? The servant falls on his knees and he begs the master, please forgive me this debt. And the master sure enough does. What a debt to be forgiven. Well, You would expect one response from the servant, right? Gratitude. Gratitude is the response you would expect. Uh, But what happens? The servant goes out, sees someone who owes him. What he owes him is a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii is this. One denarii is a day's wage. So he owes him a hundred days wages. hundred days wages compared to 10,000 times 20 years of work. And what does this servant who had been forgiven all of this do? Here's what he does. He approaches the guy who owes him the hundred days wages and says, you got to pay up. And the guy says, I can't afford to pay. And as Jesus tells the story, uh, the, uh, the, the guy who had been forgiven the 10,000 times 20 years of wages strangles, chokeholds the guy and says, you've got to pay. And the guy says, I can't. And throws him into prison. Unthinkable. Puts him in prison. Well, the other servants hear about it. They know the story of the first servant. And they go tell the master. And the master comes and finds this servant. 
And when he does, what were you thinking? He asks. And he takes him and casts him into prison. And Jesus says at the end of the parable, if you do not forgive others their trespasses against you, this is what will happen to you. What's the point? Here's the point. The point is this, is that the list of sins you have committed against God, which cost him Jesus' life, is long. And whatever someone has done to you does not compare. And when you refuse to forgive your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your boss, your coworker, your once friend, You're looking at God, and Jesus' death was, was worth far more than, than 20 years times 10,000 talents on the cross. And you're saying, thanks. And then you put your arms around somebody else's neck to choke them. Wow. Daily, you must confess your sins. You must seek forgiveness, and daily, most likely, if you interact with human beings, you must grant it. Amen? All right. If you're married, you probably have to forgive on a daily basis. And you probably need it on a daily basis. All right. If you have children, you'll have to forgive almost daily. It's a reality. Confession. Adoration. Confession. Remembering that prayer is a servant child. A child servant talking to her father king. Adoration, confession, the part that is implied but not included in this prayer, the T, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What does that look like? Here's what thanksgiving looks like. Uh, I mistakenly said that the story of the talents, that's from Matthew 18. The story of uh, of the ten lepers is from Luke 17. Jesus has another story to illustrate, a masterful masterful storyteller. Jesus said that there were 10 lepers. Or Luke tells the story, this really happened, there were 10 lepers. And Jesus enters a city, a village between Galilee and Samaria, and he sees these 10 lepers. And in a chorus, they cry out to him to heal them. Here's their deal. Lepers were outcasts. 
They couldn't come in the city. I'm surprised they were in the village. Everywhere they went, they cried unclean, and their bodies would gradually uh, rot. Uh, Their appendages would uh, leprosy, a very awful disease in Jesus' day. And so these lepers cry out uh, for Jesus to heal them, and he simply looks at them and says, Go show yourselves to the priest, and they do. And scripture says, as they are going, they're cleansed. They look down. And there's a daddy who hasn't seen or hugged or picked up his kid in years. And he he can now. Uh, There's a carpenter who's whose hands wouldn't even hold the hammer. You see, leprosy causes you to lose the sensation uh, in your appendages, and you don't know uh, when something hurts. And so the nerve endings quit working, and if a carpenter were to hit his, uh, his uh, finger with a hammer, he wouldn't even know. It would simply bleed, and then infection would set up, and that's what causes him to lose that finger. And finger is restored. He can earn a living for his family again. Wow. In order to be reintroduced into society, the priest had to clear you. So these ten lepers show up. They had to be known in this area. They show up and they show themselves to the priest and... And they run home and, uh, to wives and children and embrace them and they're excited except for one of them. Only one of the ten. What does he do? He runs back and he finds Jesus and he falls at his knees, on his knees at Jesus' feet and he says, thank you Jesus for healing me. And Jesus looks around and he says, did only one of you come back? Only one of the ten, did only one of you return to give thanks to me? And there's something that happens between him and this leper that gives this leper insight into uh, what happened to him that none of the others did, had. He said, go, your faith has made you well. Wow. His gratitude. His gratitude, his conversation. Remember, prayer is a child servant talking to his father king. This one conversation gave leper number 10. By the way, Luke points out he was from Samaria. Double whammy. He was a half-breed, half-Assyrian, half-Jew, outcast on both sides, and he had leprosy. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. The other nine could very well have thought that was some magical trick this Jesus pulled. This one knows his faith was involved. Thanksgiving. Prayer should begin with adoration, move to confession, uh, move to thanksgiving, and then S is, big word, supplication. comes from the word supply. 
It's to ask for what you need. To ask for what you need. Where do we see it? In the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is in this final part of prayer that perhaps we discover these two difficulties, and they are difficulties. Why ask the Father for what you need if he already knows? All right, Jesus says that the hypocrite will be rewarded. He already has his reward. Don't be like the Gentile. Your father knows what you need. It comes back to these two metaphors that are woven together, cannot be undone. A metaphor of a child and a metaphor of a servant. A child to a father, a servant to a king. Please hear me. If you only pray as a child to a father, your prayers will become sentimental at best. If you only pray as uh, a servant to a king, your prayers will become sterile. They'll become distant. But if you pray as a child servant to a father king, when you get to ask him for what you need, why should you ask if he already knows what's the reward? Here's the reward. Time with your father. We'll say, well, Jay, I was waiting for something really profound. Sorry. It's time with your father. So let me, let me illustrate. My son Trent is sitting here, and as you guys know, I was going to New York all week. Um, so I missed him, and, and Wendy especially. Hannah's gone, so I missed her, but it's different because she's gone a lot uh, to college. And so, uh, yesterday morning, uh, believe it or not, in the lovely weather, I mowed grass. Uh, I miss mowing grass. There's no grass in New York except in Central Park. I don't think I would survive there long. And so, I mowed grass. Had multiple other things to do, got those things done And while I was finishing them up, I thought, uh, the weather seemed to be clearing. It would be so cool if Trent and I went and played Frisbee golf. So uh, we had to uh, drop somebody off in Asheville, so we did. And we came back through Black Mountain and stopped there to play Frisbee golf. It's just Trent and me, and uh, I schooled him real bad. He looks at me like, you're kidding. I am. He beat me bad. Um, that's the truth. But we were playing frisbee golf in Black Mountain, and on more than one occasion, Trent looked at me and he said, Daddy, thanks so much for bringing me to do this. He said that more than once. What he didn't know and cannot understand, and parents, you know this and understand this, I wanted to be with him there more than he wanted to be with me. That is the truth. I couldn't wait to get all those other things done and that we could spend this two hours together on a Frisbee golf course. I couldn't wait. 
if I, as an OCD who thinks I have to get my grass mowed before Sunday, dad, cannot wait to hang with my son. How long has your heavenly father waited for you? He he loves to hang out with you. He loves to spend time with you. He created you. He sent his only son to die for you. He loves to spend time with you. Loves to. When you wake up early just to be with him, he's delighted. When you set something else aside that you need to get done just to be with him, he's thrilled. Remember, prayer is a a child servant talking to his father king. And when you as a child spend time with your father and you say, Father, this is what I need. Uh, This is what I need. He's fine with that. He's thrilled with that. He wants you to say, this is what I need. He wants those times of conversation with him, of communication with him. After all, he's your father. And that's what fathers do. He's your father. And he's also your king. Now, uh, whatever your relationship was or wasn't with your dad, everybody in the room has the experience of having some kind of father in your life. I don't know any of us who are princes or princesses legit, okay? Meaning your dad was a king, all right? Your daddy may call you princess and down with that. But I'm just saying, I don't know any of you. This is hard for us to make this leap, you see, okay? Unless your relationship with your dad was bad, and I know for some of you it was, it's... You can make that leap, but making this leap in your mind of a prince or a servant talking to a king or a prince talking to a king, this is tough. So let's look at what it says. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right. Fathers love and show authority. Kings Get this, kings show authority and make war. Don't ever forget that. Fathers love and show authority in the home. They defer all other authority to kings who love and show authority and make war. When we pray to God, to lead us not into temptation, what does it look like? I am convinced that it looks like the Garden of Gethsemane. In the garden, Jesus invited three guys 
to hang with him. They came into the garden, and Jesus looked at them and said this, Pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then he went a little further. He bowed down, and he prayed. And he came back, and what had they done? They had fallen asleep. He aroused them. He told them again to pray. That you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went, he bowed down, and he prayed. And what did they do? They slept. It happened again, same way. Here's what might surprise you. The only reason that they would face the temptation they were about to face is because they followed Jesus. That's the only reason. They would be tempted to deny him because it was him they loved. Did Jesus lead them into that? No, he was doing everything to lead them out of it. But did he create the circumstances under which they had to deal with that? You bet your bottom dollar. Say, Jerry, what does that mean? Here's what it means. High school student, please hang with me right now. College student, hang with me right now. If you know and love Christ, you will be tempted in ways that other students aren't. Why? Because you know and love Christ. You wouldn't be if you didn't know and love Christ. Single person, hear me now. Because you know and love Christ, you will be tempted to give give away your virginity. You will be tempted to give up things that you wouldn't otherwise be tempted to give up. Why? Because you know and love Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God will not put more on us than we can bear, but with every temptation, he makes a way of escape so that we can stand up under it. What I'm saying to you this morning is that you and I are tempted in different ways because we follow Christ. And when we are tempted in those ways, we must pray daily, God, lead us not into a temptation that is more than we can handle today. Don't march into your day thinking the flesh is strong, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. If you and I finish well, it will be because of the grace of God and because we didn't fall asleep, we prayed through and we said, God, we must have your help. God, we must have what you give us. We cannot finish unless you finish through us. Amen? We must be a praying people, not a sleeping people. We must be a people who fall on our knees and beg God, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. God, the cancer diagnosis has come. I don't know if you will heal. I don't know what you will do. But God, here's what I know. My flesh is weak. You are strong. You be strong through me. And as you, my king, are strong through me, I will get through this. Amen? That's how we pray. That's how we pray. And when we get to supplication, it isn't just kind of barking some things out to to a distant God. Prayer is a child servant talking to her father king. 
And so when you come into his presence, he is king who can kick butt and take names. He knows what he's doing. What you face is not too hard for him. What you face is not beyond his reach. What you face is not beyond his realm of possibility. Wow. And so as I'm getting this, and I say getting in the present tense, I'm getting this, I'm learning this week, this whole preparation as I've been in New York City has changed the way I pray. I'm just telling you, it's changed when I've come to this S, to the supplication. I realize I'm not just talking to a father, I'm talking to a father who's also king, who also rules, who reigns, who's sovereign, who's in charge, who's in complete control of all of the circumstances in the course of human events. And I'll close with this and I'll be done, hopefully, a little fired up. But must tell you this, I had never been to New York City until this week. I live in Old Fort. I'd never held a cab until this week. Ever. And so I, I get to Charlotte and my flight gets delayed. And again, a de- delayed. And again, delayed. And I connect in D.C. to get into uh, New York, and I realized my connection was missed. And Rachel's surgery is supposed to be the very next day. <sighs> I have to get there. So I go up to the counter and I, uh, I change my flight direct into LaGuardia. And so it's delayed because of tornado warnings in Charlotte at that time. And I finally get into LaGuardia. And I knew when the lady looked at me and said, What color is your luggage? that I was in trouble. Well, it's black. I'm sure nobody else has black luggage. And so uh, I had the presence of mind to tag it right before I handed it to the person, grabbed one of those tags, wrote my name, email address down. And so sure enough, I get in LaGuardia at 9 p.m. and there's no luggage to be found. And so I go to get a cab. I've never gotten a cab before. I'd ask what to do because I'm that nerdy kind of guy. And uh, so I'm walking out and I'm looking for the yellow cabs and it's 10 something now at night, 1030, when this guy sees me and he sees this look which says, confused foreigner. (laughs) And he says, do you need a cab? And I said, I do. He said, well, come with me. And I shouldn't have. I walk with this big dude, and we walk, and we keep walking past all the yellow cabs, and we go under the parking deck and get in his private car. And when we did, I went, I've made a mistake. I'm in New York City with a man I don't know. My life is in his hands. I am never scared, but I was. I look down, my phone has all of 8% left after this long day's journey. And I'm thinking, I've got this find your phone turned on. But if he doesn't get me to Manhattan by 8%, I'm toast. So I text Adam and I said, Adam, I'm coming, hopefully. I'm in a strange car with a strange man. The car's not yellow. There's nothing I expected happening right now. He said, what did you do? I said, got in this car. It's a Toyota Camry. It's nice. So I looked at the man. I said, sir, do you take a credit card? He said, well, I prefer cash. 
lie you not, I didn't travel with a single dime. Like, not a dime. I just was so busy Monday. Didn't get any. I said, sir, I don't have a cash. That's fine. We'll stop at a machine. <laughs> oh, my. I said, uh, no, sir. It's, it's, a, it's a corporate card. I can't get cash with this card. He said, well, I'll try my swiper. And I remember all the episodes of Criminal Minds I've ever watched with Hannah. <laughs> I lie you not. And I'm going through that. Oh. And so I thought, make, it, make yourself human. I'm serious. I'm thinking through all this. Make yourself human. Make him know you have a family. You have a life. And so I begin this conversation with this guy. And I tell him what I'm doing and all, everything and all of this kind of stuff. And I pray and the whole time, Lord, save my life. And forgive me for being so stupid. And uh, it's just like going through my mind. And I'm having this conversation back and forth with this guy. And I discover he's from Egypt. And I felt no better. And, uh, and so it's just like all of this. And we keep going, and Adam said, are you going the right direction? I said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going the right, I could be going to Egypt. I don't know, you know. And so, so we, we're having this, and he has two kids, and I tell him about my two kids, and we're all this back and forth, back and forth. And, and finally, we're getting, I think I saw a sign that said Manhattan, and I'm like, oh. And uh, he looked at me up in the mirror, and I've been praying the whole time, and he said, uh, I have a question for you. It's the first time he made eye contact with me. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, if God is our father, why did he let that woman you're going to see get cancer? And I thought, honestly, I should have had higher thoughts. I thought, I'm not going to die. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Honestly, at that point, that's what I thought. We're real. Like, we're real with each other. And, and I said to him, sir, I, I struggle with that too. I said, I really do. I said, but there's one point in history that gets me through it every time. He said, really? I said, every time. I said, that God, who is Rachel's father, gave his only boy so that Rachel would spend eternity in heaven with him, one day completely whole. And sir, he gave his son for you too. That's how I trust him. In times like these, he had no clue what that meant. <clears throat> but that's what I meant. That's how I trust him. Prayer is a child servant talking to your father, king. Go talk to him this week. God bless you.